It's another day, and I'm glad you're here. Welcome to Dagon History, Old Iowa Newspaper Edition. Up first today, we'll look at the Daily Gate City's Tuesday, December 21st, 1858 issue. My name is Kristen, and let's get to it. More peace and harmony. The Chicago Journal says that our fancy Senator Jones has addressed a very polite epistle to Senator Douglas, of which the following is the closing paragraph. This, sir, is the third time that you have made infamously false accusations against me, and that I have been compelled to fasten the lie upon you. Though you may, at the sacrifice of democratic organization, have effected a triumph in your own state, as you say, over executive and congressional dictation, I can but look with contempt upon any fame or position you may have acquired by a union with white spirits and black, blue spirits and gray, black Republicans, South Americans, disappointed office seekers, etc. As I do upon the miserable resort to opprobious epithets connected with my name, but covered with a contingency which gave you a sure escape. The Douglas men down this way don't seem to have heard that. We presume, however, that they will let Jones fire his pop gun at the little giant without any serious complaint, being aware that the president requires this little service of the Iowa senator in consideration of a certain appointment to office on the expiration of his term in the Senate. Subdued. It seems that Douglas is at last subdued. The Washington letter writers announce that he is preparing an address to the public in which he will entirely withdraw his name from the list of applicants for the Democratic nomination for the presidency. He perceives that he has no chance for success and he takes this course in order to appease the hostility of the national democracy. The slave trade revived. 350 Africans brought into Georgia. The African slave trade has been reopened in civilized Christian America. It is a fact, whether it be a fixed one or not, depends upon the efficiency of the laws prohibiting it and the vigor of the government in executing them. The yacht wanderer last week landed 350 African slaves at Jek G Island near Brunswick, Georgia. Once they were conveyed into the interior and distributed among the plantations. From the St. Louis Evening News. There is no hope in the efficiency of the laws. The public opinion of the South and the federal and state officers there are in favor of the revival of the slave trade and the president in the present administration will not interfere against the slaveholders in any contingency. The notorious pirates of the slave ship Echo escape unwhipped of justice because a South Carolina grand jury refused to find a bill against them. And if the Democratic Party remains in power till 1864, the slave trade will be practically revived and will meet with no obstruction from the general government. And now from the Daily Gate City's Thursday, December 21st, 
1865 issue. City News. Our senior, who has been absent for some days on a visit into Illinois, again reports at these headquarters. A gentleman and lady broke through the ice yesterday morning while crossing the river. They escaped drowning, however. Ugh, that's a refrigerant. Jenks just thought of it. The terrible, blustering, stormy, chilling snow and blow of yesterday reminded him to treat Mrs. Jenks to an elegant set of furs. He got them of Voorhees and Brothers. We were pleased to receive yesterday a call from our friend D.G. Perkins, late of Van Buren County, now principal in one of the Des Moines schools. The Des Moines Register has a rumor that the first Iowa Calvary, now at Austin, Texas, has received order for muster out. The new depot at Eddyville, replacing the one recently destroyed by fire is, we learn, rapidly being constructed and will soon be finished. Newton, Jasper County, thinks it has good prospects for striking oil and a company proposes going to work as soon as practicable. The Register learns that a Sioux City merchant was frozen to death while traveling Tuesday night of last week near Boonesboro. He was out sitting upright in his buggy, the lines firm in, in his hand, frozen stiff. That festival. As you seek social pleasure and also to aid in a good cause, it is hoped that you will go from the lecture tonight to the festival at the Estes House. The Exchange Street congregation has worked industriously and the church building is now in a condition creditable to the city. Additional funds is needed to erect the bell. Hence the festival tonight. Hence your patronage is desired. War Claims Rankin and McCrary collect soldiers' claims promptly. Going, going, gone. We called in yesterday evening at the extensive auction rooms of our friends Howe and Tyler. These rooms have been refitted and refurnished. They answer now, well, the demands of the large business of the house. Found a perfect art gallery and sundry other attractions pictures, photographic albums, mirrors, silver cake baskets, marble-topped center tables, carvers, silver-plated casters, whatnots, and many other things good to be used for Christmas presents. The sale will take place at 10 o'clock this morning. It is confidently expected that the ladies especially will be present and show their appreciation of this handsome selection of Messrs. H and T. Santa Claus is expected to make a large donation of toys and juvenile books, games, etc. At Brownells, corner of 4th and Main Streets, is the place to buy them. The Lecture Albeit this may not be as pleasant an evening as might be wished, we yet anticipate a full house at Chatham Square Church. Mr. Layton is a popular and eloquent speaker, and his lecture upon the genius, character, and poetry of his great countryman, the Scotch Bard, will doubtless prove thoroughly entertaining. He will treat the subject, 
con amor, yet appreciatively and dis- discriminatingly, and his poetic temperament peculiarly fits him for discussing his subject. Don't fail to attend. It is said that Anna Dickinson is soon to be married to a New York journalist and widower, to whom she has been engaged for four years. That isn't of half as much interest as the cheap sales of ready-made clothing at Vensil and Jones. Alfred Tennyson has taken to giving private readings in full dress. He should get the latter by order from Hess, Stern, and Company. Lecture. William Layton Esquire has kindly consented to lecture before the Keokuk Library Association at the Chatham Square Church on Thursday evening, the 21st, at 7 o'clock. Subject, the genius, character, and poetry of Burns. For Auld Lang Syne, my friends, for Auld Lang Syne, we'll sing the songs that Burns sang in the days o' Lang Syne. Tickets 25 cents to be had at the bookstores and at the door by order of lecture committee. The best Christmas present you can make is a one-year subscription to the library costing $3. The lad or young lady who receives it will thank you heartily. Call upon the librarian and invest. Stop and read. We have a large stock of blankets, dress shawls, breakfast shawls, and heavy cloths for ladies and misses cloaks and baskins, which we are determined to sell for the next 10 days at prices to suit purchasers. This is a rare chance for bargains. Legal notice to Margaret Messenger and all others whom it may concern. Notice is hereby given that the undersigned as guardian of Margaret Messenger, an insane woman, has filed in the county court of Lee County, Iowa, at Fort Madison, his position or application for authority and order to sell the interest, being a dower interest, of said Margaret Messenger in the following real estate, situated in Lee County, Iowa, viz., 240 acres off of the north part of the north half of section 23, township 65 north, range 5 west, also the northwest corner of the northwest quarter, 24 township north, range 6 west, also east half of northeast quarter, section 24, township 65 north, range 5 west, also also east half of south East quarter of section 20, township 65 north, range 5 west, also northeast part, being two acres and 30 rods of of same of southwest fractional quarter, section 30, township 65 north, range 4 west, also lots 1, 2, and 3 in block 45 in the city of Keokuk, also have acres being in the southwest corner of northwest quarter of section 24 township 65 north range 6 west also five acres in the northwest quarter of the section township and range last above named 
being five acres north of and adjoining the parcel last described. Sold application will be for hearing in said court on the first Monday of January, 1866. Daniel Rubicam, guardian Margaret Messenger, an insane woman. And now from the Daily Gate Cities, Wednesday, December 21st, 1910 issue. Mulked petition safe aboard. 65% of voters of 16 townships, signers, vote being canvassed yesterday, has a majority of 55. That many more votes than the percent required by law found in supervisors count. When the Lee County Supervisors canvassed the mulled vote of the country precincts yesterday at Fort Madison, it was found that the petition carried by a vote of more than 65%. The vote of Keokuk and Fort Madison will be gone over next Tuesday by the board, and those who are in a position to know say that the mulked petition will carry 80% of the vote in the two cities. The mulked vote was canvassed yesterday morning, as was announced in a dispatch in last evening's Gate City. A total of 3,200 votes were cast, and out of that number, 2,080 were signers of the mulked petition, which gives the required 65%. Originally, there were 2,213 signers on the petitions, 78 of these were deducted by the supervisors on account of the markings and other flaws in the ballot casting. After deduction from the original number, a majority of 55 votes to the good, more than the number required by law, were left over. The vote. Below appears the, the result of the moked vote canvassed by the supervisors at their Tuesday morning session. The figures at the left of the township represent the mulked signers' names. The column to the right is the total vote. Des Moines, Denmark, and Cedar Townships are the only ones that do not show a plurality for the mulked petitions out of the 16. Signers, Township, Des Moines, vote 193. Signers, 32. Township, Denmark, vote 141. Signers, 154, Township, Charleston, vote 174. Signers, 107, Township, Van Buren, vote 155. Signers, 114, Township, Green Bay, vote 162. Signers, 72, Township, Cedar, vote 170. Signers, 115 Township Jefferson vote 155 Signers 189 Township Jackson outside vote 260 Signers 119 Township Donaldson vote 203 Signers 287 Township West Point vote 313 Signers 103, Township, Pleasant Ridge, vote, 313. Signers, 87, Township, Harrison, 
Boat, 171. Signers, 103. Township, Pleasant Ridge, Boat, 172. Signers, 132. Township, Franklin, Boat, 141. Signers, 130. Township, Washington, Boat, 197. Signers, 158. Township, Marion, Boat, 180. Signers, 323. Township, Montrose, Boat, 413. Commercial Club Awake to Conditions Taking proper steps to properly present Keokuk to the world at large. The building of the water power calls from the commercial club of this city greater effort in the matter of publicity and present President Irwin and his official colleagues are taking the proper steps to see that Keokuk gets the proper advertising do it by virtue of obtaining the biggest electrical producing dam in the world. The commercial club is going ahead and the city will be advertised in a systematic and methodical way so that the very best results can be obtained. This organization is the one that the citizens look to to properly present the large advantages that will accrue by the building of the water power and the officers should be assisted in every possible way in their endeavors to obtain the best results. It is not simply an individual issue for the officers. It is up to every citizen, whether businessman or private resident, to push along the work of advertising. When you write a letter, be sure and tell about the Keokuk and Hamilton Water Power Dam, and some suitable advertising on all your stationery would be the right idea. Already this city is receiving wide publicity gratis from magazines and newspapers that have been interested by reason of the stupendousness of the enterprise. The local effort should be as energetic and persistent, and it will be if the city supports the commercial club in the way it should. Reconstruction of the tracks has been solved. Maintaining wall 1,000 feet in length will be built so that Burlington tracks may enter yards on low level. $22,500 for Mavanis Tucker Quarry. Option taken up and part of valuable quarry will be overflowed. 50 laborers arrived for work today. It was learned today that a plan for the reconstruction of the Chicago, Burlington, and Quincy RR Co. Company tracks coming into the Keokuk yards calling for the building of a maintaining wall 1,000 feet in length extending from the line of the lock northward, has been practically agreed upon, although negotiations between the parties concerned have not yet been closed, nor plans other than tentative ones submitted. Question a much mooted one. The question of this railroad reconstruction work, as it has to do with the immediate vicinity of the Keokuk yards and entrance thereto from the north, has been a much mooted one, and has resulted in numerous conferences between the water power company's engineers and engineers representing the railroad company. It is now said that the maintaining wall has been about decided upon as the best means of doing away with the otherwise steep grade that would be occasioned if the railroad tracks had to be built 
over the crest of the dam. The wall will be built of concrete and will be constructed on the side of the railroad track opposite the river or between the present railroad tracks and the steep bluff. This wall will be built before the railroad tracks are reconstructed. Maintain lower grade. The Burlington will not have to enter the local yards on high elevated tracks, as suggested in previous plans. The wall will permit the maintaining of a much lower level for the roadbed. The wall mentioned will not extend as far north as the present electric light plant, which it is said will either be purchased or moved to some other location. $22,500 paid for quarry. The water power company today closed its option on the McManus and Tucker quarry. The price paid for this property was $22,500, and it comprises about six acres of this valuable quarry property. An interesting story was told a reporter by Mr. McManus of the firm today. The firm has been operating the quarry for about 14 years. The discovery of this, the deposit of white limestone, was much in the nature of an accident. The firm leased a piece of land adjoining this quarry and operated it for some time in getting out brown stone. When the white limestone was discovered, it was seen that it was a very superior, a very superior quality, and the firm then opened up the big quarry. In the 14 years in which they operated, they have taken out 344,000 cubic yards of stone. Some idea of this amount of stone can be arrived at when it figures out that this would make make 14,313 carloads or 470 train loads of 30 cars to the train, or would build a good wagon road 16 feet wide a distance of 219 miles. The quarry itself has been pronounced by State Highway Engineer McDonald of Ames, the best in Iowa. The firm has shipped their product to all parts of the state. A core test has been made of the stone deposit and the limestone runs 160 feet deep. The entire tract of land consists of 30 acres. When the time comes for the water to flood the land, it will necessitate the removal of the machinery to other parts of the quarry and the abandonment of the portion now being operated. McManus and Tucker still have 24 acres of this land and will continue operations. Laborers arrived today. A consignment of 50 laborers arrived from St. Louis and went to work. Little machinery of importance was received today, but work is being pushed more rapidly than ever. Transfers of today. Chester P. Quarry has conveyed to the water power company part of the old White Elk Vineyard containing seven acres. L. E. Dumeyer has conveyed to the same grantee small strip near Galland. Jeremy G. Anderson to some grantee about 50 acres this side of Bluff Park. The deed conveying the land to the McManus Tucker property was also filed. Two boys go to reform school. Leroy Redinger, untamable and good home given him, is committed to Eldora for reformation. Johnson came back. Officer Pearson departed this morning for state institution accompanied by his charges. Leroy Redinger and Harry Johnson, two young Keokuk boys, 
have proven to their relatives and the police that they cannot otherwise be tamed than by being sent to the reform school. Orders committing the youngsters to that house of correction were made out yesterday afternoon by Judge W.L. McNamara at the instigation of the mother of Johnson and the aunt of young Redinger. Assistant Police Chief Pearson left with his charges this morning for Eldora, and the boys will be kept there for a time. Leroy Redinger is a lad who stole from several retail stores here late last summer and has otherwise shown himself to be bent on mischief. One could not help but pity the bright youngster with all his in- intense for wickedness. He is a shrewd one for his age, alert, and with proper training could possibly be made a good man of. He was a given a good home sh- a short while ago, but wild as he is, he could not appreciate fully the kindness bestowed upon him by those who sought to foster the boy, so he was turned over to the police again after once being rescued from their clutches. The mother of Johnson took him to Moline, Illinois a short time ago after considering the matter of sending him to the reform school. Young Johnson was to be kept away, but the mother and son came back recently, and the boy, as incorrigible as ever, was committed to the reform school. Carthage has an epidemic. Schools are closed on account of scarlet fever. Doors remain closed. Carthage schools were closed last week on account of a scarlet fever epidemic prevailing in schools. It was thought if no new cases were reported by last Monday that school would be in session again, but investigation developed several new cases and the school board ordered the buildings to be closed all this week so that a thorough fumigation could be given the buildings. Both the teachers and patrons of this school hope that no new cases will develop in the meantime. Nearly every year the schools are closed on account of some epidemic. Invader of home is shot. Al Kennedy of Abingdon discovered with man's wife and received three bullets for it. Breaking into the rear door of his home, one mile north of the city limits of Monmouth, to find his wife seated in the lap of Al Kennedy of Abingdon, Ransom Doney drew his revolver and fired three shots at the intruder, two of which took effect. In spite of his wounds, Kennedy made his escape and came to Monmouth and is now in St. Mary's Hospital in a critical condition. Doney, who is a stonemason and a former alderman of the city of Monmouth, met Kennedy between 6.30 and 7 o'clock on the road which leads to his home. At that time, he stopped the pedestrian and asked him if he was going to town, offering to take him in his buggy. Kennedy refused the proffered lift, stating that he was not going to the city. Suspicions aroused. Donnie's suspicions were at once aroused as the man had paid some attentions to Mrs. Donnie in the past. He continued his way to town until he believed the man had plenty of opportunity to reach the house. He then returned and, approaching the house, found all the blinds closely drawn. Closely drawn. Peering through a crack, he discovered his wife seated in Kennedy's lap. Donnie immediately made a rush for the back door and forced it. As he made entrance, Kennedy rushed for the front entrance and the enraged husband drew his revolver and fired at the fleeing form. The first shot took effect in the left side of his neck and passing through, 
lodged under the left arm. The second shot entered his right lung. Donnie fired a third shot, but his aim was disconcerted by the woman who jumped toward her husband and jostled his arm. And now from the Daily Gate City's Friday, December 21st, 1917 issue. Angel leaves for St. Louis. Keokuk Mann will be general manager of Big Wholesale Lumber Company in Missouri City. Was here five years. He was manager of Hamilton Yards for 10 years and buyer for all yards for five years. George W. Angel, who has been connected with C.D. Streeter and the Keokuk Lumber Company for the last five years as buyer for the nine yards and for 10 years as a yard manager at Hamilton, Illinois, will leave Keokuk January 1st for St. Louis to become general manager of the Hill Behan Lumber Company. This concern is one of the biggest wholesale lumber companies and millwork concerns in St. Louis. The promotion is one which Mr. Angel has earned and his friends here will be sorry to see him go, but will wish him success in his new field. Mr. Angel has been in the Keokuk office for the last five years as buyer for the nine yards under the Streeter management. Before that time, he was manager of the yard located at Hamilton, Illinois. Mr. Angel knows lumber and the lumber business from the ground up, and his efficiency will be greatly felt in the managership of the St. Louis company to which he is going. Want cabbages for baskets? Community Christmas headquarters would like to have a head for every basket sent out. They want cabbages for the baskets at the community headquarters. Any of the farmers living around Keokuk who wish to give something will find that cabbages will be welcome. Any of the housewives who did not put up any vegetables or fruits and who want to give can buy a head or two of cabbage. Some of the generous farmers in the vicinity have given potatoes and apples. If the others want to help to fill up the Christmas dinner basket, they have their chance. Ms. Elsie Buck, treasurer of the community fund, reports the following contributions today. Mrs. W. H. Kennedy, $1. George S. Tucker, $5. A friend, $1. Mrs. George W. Delaplane, $1. Mrs. G. W. Fanning, $2. W. G. Blood, $2. Minneapolis, $1. A friend, $2. Mr. and Mrs. C. D. Streeter, $10. A friend, $0.25. Cents. P. C. Hayden, $2. Wells M. Irwin, $5. M. B. B. Hobbs, $5. Cash, $0.50. Cents. Mrs. Emma Summers, $2. Alberta Peterson, $1. Mrs. E. G. Singleton reports gifts for the fruit and canned goods shower from Mrs. G. E. Ricks, Mrs. C. J. Carlson, Mrs. Kate Nichols, Mrs. G. C. Johnston, Mrs. G. A. Dumple, Mrs. J. P. Ingle, and Mrs. We Mrs. Wells M. Irwin. Camp Cody, not Pleasure Park. Charles A. Rawson is unfavorably impressed with the New Mexico camping location. 
The Washington Bureau of the Des Moines Register is not enthusiastic about the conditions at Camp Cody at Deming. In its issue of December 18th, the Register's correspondent has the following. Sharp indictment of conditions at Camp Cody at Deming, New New Mexico, where Iowa Guard forces are stationed, is contained in a letter which Charles A. Rotson, Republican State Chairman, has written to Representative Dowell. Mr. Rawson, in reference to his visit to Camp Cody with Governor Harding, says for two days there was a sandstorm in which the band couldn't be seen 40 feet away. He says, we were there four days. The first two days there was a sandstorm and you couldn't see the band which passed within 40 feet of us. We could hear the music but failed to see the band. Saturday and Sunday were good days, although it was about 10 degrees above zero at 8 o'clock in the morning, but the wind didn't blow. There is six or eight inches of sand all over that country, and with 26,000 men marching around and digging trenches. When you throw a shovel full of dirt in the air, about two-thirds of it blows away. It is so light, so you see it is a frightful place in which to live. Mr. Rawson says he cannot see why the camp was ever located there unless for political purposes. He adds, there is quite a lot of pneumonia here and those who get it seem to have a bad time on account of the altitude which affects their heart. Death of a schoolgirl. Miss Lorna Hedrick passed away yesterday afternoon at home of her grandparents. Yesterday afternoon at 3 p.m. occurred the death of Lorna Yvonne Hedrick at the home of her grandparents, Mr. and Mrs. J.S. Hedrick, 1825 Main Street. Miss Hedrick was taken sick a week before her death with scarlet fever, which developed into pleura pneumonia. Lorna was the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. J.C. Hedrick and was born in Guyton, Louisiana, September 22, 1901. Classified Column Wanted, a meat cutter at Bueller Brothers, 700 Maine. Wanted, dining room girls, also man dishwasher, the Boston, 325 Maine. For rent, sleeping room, all modern, 1020 Blondo. For rent, modern house, 1108 Bank Street, seeing heat. Telephone in evening, Jasper Judd. For sale, two slightly used player pianos at bargain prices. Dunn & Scholl Fern Company. For sale, cheap, two Columbia graphophones taken in exchange for Victrola's Duncan Shell Furniture Company. For sale, white rice popcorn. For sale, one bedroom suite, mattress, kitchenette, cheap. For sale, old established prosperous restaurant, ill health only reason for selling, Henry Schaefer, 327 Hampshire Street, Quincy, Illinois. For sale, Hearts Mountain Canneries, Singers and Females, Inquire 605 South 2nd. Miscellaneous, General Agent Wanted, a large old line life insurance company, has a splendid general agency opening in Keokuk. Lost, a Schaefer fountain pen sometime this week. Return to this office. Reward. 
Lost. Wednesday evening, plain black waterman fountain pen between 8th and Blondeau and YWCA or between YWCA and 8th and Orleans. Leave at this office. Lost. A pocketbook containing money between 3rd and 4th on Main Street. Finder returned to Chester Showton at Showton's Bakery and receive reward. That's it for today's Day in History, December 21st. Thank you for tuning in.